Right now, we've got a, a very esteemed guest on the line. I love this guy. He's a great attorney, but he's, um, he's also got uh, his instincts are just, he's brilliant. He really is. And he's also a very proud Jew. And talking to Dove Hiking a couple of hours ago and having Liz Pipko in studio, two great Jews, it's my honor and pleasure to bring back my friend Alan Dershowitz. Alan, good morning. It's Sydney. How are you? I'm doing great, and thank you for calling me a great Jew. What could be a higher compliment? <laughs> no, it is. I'm a great I mean, American also. No, yeah. it, it, listen. One yeah. of the one of the first times I met a you, great citizen of Brooklyn. Yes, you know that's my hometown, right? Yeah, no, I know it is. And you and I had a discussion last time, writing a book one day about the great folks from Brooklyn. But one of the first times I ever met you was uh, Dove Hiken convinced me to go down to the New York Times building because there was a cartoon right. in the paper where uh, Bibi Netanyahu and Donald Trump were walking each other like on a dog leash. And we had this right. huge rally outside the Times building, and that's one of the first times I met you. I found love right there. Love it for a sight, Alan. And over the years, well, when we talk about Israel and the Jewish people, very few speak up more than you. So thank you for that. Well, I appreciate that. It was my honor to speak to the New York Times. You know, I was their lead editorial writer on legal issues for years and years and years, and now they won't publish me because of my views on Israel and my defense of Donald Trump. So I've been canceled by the New York Times after years and years of being their most frequent editorial writer on legal issues. Shows you how biased the Times has become. It's funny, your defense of Donald Trump, because you're not a Trump guy. You're a liberal. You're a Democrat. Uh, but you're also fair. So when Trump does something good, you say it. When you disagree, just like I do, I am a Trump guy. I'm a huge Trump supporter. But he doesn't win every day. Listen, Vince Lombardi lost a game here and there. So did Pat Riley. So does Donald Trump. But but uh, what he did for Israel, you can't argue, Alan Dershowitz, he may be the best president ever when it comes to dealing with Israel. Yes? I agree with that. And, of course, I defended him because... His impeachment was entirely unconstitutional, and I wouldn't care who it was, uh, whether I voted for him or against him. I'm always going to defend the Constitution, and that's what I did on the floor of the Senate. I was the oldest person ever to defend the president on the floor of the Senate, combined with the fact that I was the youngest person ever to be a professor at Harvard. It's nice, nice parenthesis around my long career. It really is. But when you look at the field, and I know he spoke at CPAC on Saturday, Trump, and he beat his chest about a whole bunch of stuff, a lot of stuff which is accurate. Uh, you look at the field of Democrats, you got Biden there now. I don't know how you feel about Biden. Me personally, if God is good to me, I'll be 56 in April. He's far and away the worst president I've ever seen, gone way past Jimmy Carter. And I don't even know of another name. I don't hear about the guy in California, these other people. They're not going to run if Biden runs. So if you're a Democrat and you're, you're, you know, you want a Democrat to run and to win, how can you possibly vote for Joe Biden again is my question. I think Joe Biden beats Donald Trump again. Um, I don't think anything has changed from the last election. And uh, but if he doesn't run, if Biden doesn't run, I wonder whether Trump will run. I think the two are locked together. I think Biden's going to run only if Trump wins because he thinks he has an obligation to the Democrats and to the American people to beat Trump. But if Trump doesn't run, I think Biden is a one-term president. I think he'd be very happy to be a one-term president. He would be, but not his uh, wife, that Jill. She's so evil. She just wants to be your first lady more than anybody else. Uh, so do you think, Alan Dershowitz, that Joe Biden has done a decent job, good job, terrible job? I think, I think you always judge people by their times. And I think that what was needed in America, and the reason I voted for him, 
uh, two years ago. What was needed was a return to normalcy. You won't even call it boring normalcy. But I think he had to try to reunite the people. Has he succeeded? Of course not. We're a deeply divided country, just like Israel is a deeply, deeply divided country. And anything that can help bring both of those countries together. In Israel, I saw today that President Herzog, who I have the world of respect for, says that a deal may be close on the judicial reform, which would bring Israel closer together. And I think I think that Biden has tried very hard to avoid the kind of divisive rhetoric that we saw during the previous administration. So judging by by his times, I give him much higher grades than, for example, I gave Jimmy Carter, who, you know, by the end of his presidency turned against Israel, as did Barack Obama. Uh, I think Barack Obama's second term was a disaster. It's the only time I've regretted a vote. I wish I had voted for Mitt Romney the second time wow. over Barack Obama, but that was a mistake. I, yeah. didn't do I, don't, that. I don't like either one of those guys, but you're right about Obama. A, a uh, Just a boatload of cash went to Hamas and the Palestinians in the middle of the night, right before he left office, which Jewish people should be irate about, yet they still... They still they'll dive into the throne of Barack Obama. I don't get it, Alan. I want to ask you. Yeah, yeah. I want to ask you about this uh, Murdoch trial. Uh, maybe outside of sure. O.J. Simpson, I've never seen more evidence. Now Johnny Cochran found a way to confuse uh, the black jury and made it more about whether or not Mark Furman was a racist rather than O.J. committing double homicide, which he certainly did, by the way. Uh, there was no hope for Alex Murdoch here. He was guilty. Uh, watching that trial, Alan, did you? see anything from the defense that they, they didn't do or should have done, or was there just no chance in this case? Well, there was a very little chance, but if I were the defense attorney, I would not have put him on the witness stand. I would have tried the case purely on science. I would have shown problems about what happens when you try to track people through their phones. I would have had no witnesses, no witnesses except scientists. And the reason that ultimately we won the OJ case, and by the way, we didn't win it, the prosecution lost it, is because we only introduced scientists. We only introduced DNA. And, you know, you can say confuse the jury. We raised a reasonable doubt uh, by jurors, white and black alike. And, uh, and it's because he didn't take the stand. OJ wanted to take the stand. And F. Lee Bailey wanted him to take the stand. And I said I would not remain his lawyer if he, if he took the stand. Wow. That would be committing judicial suicide. And we finally persuaded him not to take the stand. And all the jurors finally concluded that there was some question about tampering with evidence by the prosecution. Uh, and I think it was the tampering rather than the racism yeah. that really turned the tide. There was a sock that had blood on it. And the blood, the evidence showed, had been poured from a test tube. And the jurors said, if we believe one piece of evidence may have been tampered with, we can't trust the rest of the evidence. So I would have tried the case solely, the Murtaugh case, solely on science. I wouldn't have had him be in the witness stand. I wouldn't have had anything about his, uh, I would have tried to keep out the evidence about his cheating all the people that he worked with. I still think the result would have been a conviction. But now that he's taken the stand, he also reduces the chances of winning on appeal because even if there were errors in the case, the Court of Appeals will say they were harmless because 
the jury convicted based essentially on not believing his testimony after three hours of deliberation. Interesting you talked about the prosecution. You're right. If Marsha Clark and Chris Darden spent more time in their uh, business offices and hotel rooms, they may have won that case. But uh, I was always fascinated by your group, that dream team. You, Robert Shapiro, you mentioned F. Lee Bailey, uh, Johnny Cochran, of course. I was under the impression watching from home that Cochran basically was the coach. And you guys were like the offensive coordinator. Is that how it worked? Yeah, he was the coach. I was, I think, the defensive coordinator. <laughs> um, and and uh, um, it wasn't a dream team. Um, people fought like children. Uh, it was a nightmare team. Uh, Bob Shapiro and Epley Bailey could not get along. Well, is it true uh, that Johnny Cochran? Yeah. He had the ability to bring, bring people together. Uh, he was a very good coach. Is it true that Bob Shapiro at the very beginning is it true that Bob Shapiro at the very beginning wanted uh, OJ to take a plea bargain and you guys talked him out of that? I can't discuss that. Um, but obviously, in any case like this, plea bargains were always on the table. And remember that originally they were seeking the death penalty, and in the end they decided not to seek the death penalty, as in the Murtaugh case. Wise decision generally because jurors are much more reluctant to convict in a death penalty case than they are in an imprisonment case. But, um, you know, every case is different. Uh, The Murtaugh case obviously involved wealth and power, and uh, a South Carolina jury in Walterboro is very different from a jury in in, uh, Los Angeles. And, of course, the prosecution picked the wrong jury in Los Angeles. They could have had a jury in a suburban area. Instead, they got one from downtown Los Angeles, which gave us the tremendous advantage of having, I think, nine African-Americans on the jury. So everything that happened in the OJ case was a mistake by the prosecution. They just mistried the case in every possible way, starting with having the two lawyers who were not really competent lawyers and not the best lawyers that could have been put forward. And so, again, often when there's uh, an outcome, it's not a victory for one side, it's a defeat for the other. And I think that's what happened. And I think in the Murtaugh case, the prosecution was a lot more careful. There are, there are issues, there are problems. They introduced a lot of evidence about other crimes, and that will surely be an appellate issue. But you remember, 95% of criminal appeals are lost. Uh, I'm lucky I have a much higher percentage of winning, but... Uh, 95% a loss. So the likelihood of a reversal by the South Carolina Supreme Court is pretty darn low. Ray Kelly was on with John Katsimatidis yesterday, Alan, on his terrific Sunday morning show, Catch Roundtable, railing against the $6 million payout, going to these radicals that uh, basically set our buildings on fire, caused havoc, were violent. Uh, all those uh, people back in the summer of 2020, they did all that damage, and yeah. they're going to get about $21,000 a piece. How does that make any sense? It makes no sense at all. Uh, to me, what happened after the killing of, of George Floyd, which, by the way, is the most significant event in the 20th century for America. It's changed everything. It's changed American universities. It's changed corporate life. It's changed the media. There's a, it's a more significant and enduring event than 9-11, tragically. And um, um, I, I, I think the idea that, that we tolerate the kind of violence that resulted uh, from it and indeed sometimes even reward it for the, the, the sentence that was given to the two lawyers that threw Molotov cocktails 
into police cars, even though they were empty. The idea that they got short sentences, uh, uh, single-digit sentences, whereas people who do much, much less criminal things get uh, multiple years in, in jail. I think our system is messed up, and I do think that a lot of it is a function of kind of the reckoning or the reaction to the George Floyd case. So uh, we have to get back to a situation where, where our goal is Martin Luther King's colorblind society rather than a society where everything turns on race, where identity politics dominates everything. You know, the Bible gives judges two directions. One, don't take a bribe. And the other is low takir panim, do not recognize faces. Do not do justice based on who the person before you is, on their race, on their gender, on their identity. Do it based on the facts of the case. We have to get back to that system. Wow, what a great conversation. You said Punim. My grandmother used to call me a Shane of Punim when I was little. I haven't heard that in a long time. I loved it. And you Did anybody made... call you a Shane of Punim recently? That's the question. Nah, I'm going to be 56. It's over for me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you you are brilliant. I love having you on. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Please keep coming back, Alan Dershowitz. Thank you. Anytime. What a great conversation. He's right. You know, that George Floyd, that, that probably is, believe it or not, for a guy that was arrested nine times, stuck a gun in a pregnant woman's stomach. Now, he deserve to die. Don't get me wrong. The cop committed murder. I get that. But George Floyd was a lowlife. By every definition of a lowlife, that was George Floyd. And yet his death, as Alan points out, turned this country upside down. Don't make sense to me.